Brennan's special. Amen. Do you realize that? Yeah, you can give him a hand. He, he, he's, uh, we're, we're so glad that he's on our staff. Um, it's football season. And when I was uh, your age and watching games, there usually was a fanatic in the end zone that would do this. Do you remember that? Anybody ever see that? You're kind of young for this. But they'd hold up this sign and wave it every time the camera come their direction. And we know what this verse is, right? Can you say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life, right? And so um, that word love there is what we're going to look at this evening for a few moments. God is love, therefore he's good. And, and that word love in that, in that particular verse comes from the Greek word agapeo. Or oftentimes if you use a different tense, it's just agape. And it means this, that it's a love that cherishes, that relishes, that is devoted to. It's God's action of sending his only son to die for the world. And it's, that's illustrative of that nature of this particular kind of love. It sacrifices for others. I, I love this. Agape love sees others. I don't know if you guys watch Avatar. I see you, Right. And, and, and some of those, those are kind of biblical concepts. This love has at the heart of it the best interests of others. God calls you and I to agape one another. In other words, he's saying, have at the heart of your interaction with other people their best interests. And we know that God has our best interests at the heart of what he does. So I want to kind of begin tonight by an illustration. God's revealed to us as a Trinitarian being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Always has been, always will be three in one. All right? And here's what you got to understand. That at the, at the center of this Trinitarian God that we love so much is love itself, is agape love. So imagine that these three chairs are the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right? Are you getting this? So if I'm God the Father, I love God the Son I love God, the Holy Spirit. I have had the heart of what I do, their best interests. If I'm the son, right? I love the father and I love the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to make Jesus and the father known. And he loves the father and loves Jesus. And, and you got to understand that, that God doesn't work up love for us. He embodies love. He is love. It's his nature to love. And the love is, is of agape. It's a selfless, others-oriented, sacrificial love. See, God is not somebody who's narcissistic. He didn't create you and I because he has an ego need. He needs people to worship him. He is a loving being. And you know what he did? He says, I love so much within myself. I'm going to invite other people into the community. So you know what he did? What did he do? He created us. He said, I want to invite you to enjoy me forever and to experience my love. So he invites humanity into this love situation, this love expression. Now, the title that Brendan gave me for tonight is God is love, therefore he's good. So I'm working with the material that he gave me, okay? So you understand where I'm coming from? Because normally, I don't talk on this topic much, but I ought to. I never really began to understand what love was, friends, until I had kids. I came from a pretty dysfunctional family life growing up, and I performed to be accepted. 
And I got good at sports. I got really good academically because I got good feedback. But I never had anyone express just love to me. And then we had Elizabeth, my oldest daughter. I graduated one week from college. And she was born on the very day that I was interviewing for a job at 3M Company. All right? I come home. My wife's in the hospital having my little baby girl. And I run over there. And I get there in time because we had her the next morning. And I remember taking that little human being who's only six pounds. She's just a tiny little thing. And I have never had a feeling like that in my life. Of just this built-in love for another person. And I begin to have just an inkling just a smitten of the love that God has for us. I begin to experience that. See, God is love. It's his nature to love. And into that community, he invited us to join him. Now, even in the creation of the world, even in the creation of humanity, we see God express love. It's out of this Trinitarian being. He's making this community of people. And even as he goes through the creation process, we see that this love expressed always equals something good. So God gathers the water together and he sees the waters and he says, that's good. And then God creates vegetation, right? And he looks at this vegetation and he says, that's good. Why? Because he's love, because he's selfless, because what he's doing is he's creating out of the community of love uh, another world that can experience that love. God creates the stars and the sun and the moon, and he says, it's good. Those lights are not good. (laughs) They're very annoying, actually. (laughs) So then God creates the land. If you have epileptic problems, you're you're in big trouble, especially me. Hey, can we... uh, I mean, I love this little strobe effect here, but I don't know, guys, if we can just shut these babies off or turn them up or just ignore me. Um, So God creates land animals according to their kinds, and he looks at them and he goes, they're really good. Are you seeing a pattern here? The Trinitarian God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're creating this world, and every time something is created, the response is, man, that's good. And then we get to the creation of humanity, And I'm just going to read this for you from Genesis chapter 1. And note the Trinitarian language here. Then God said, let us, plural, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the whole earth and subdue it. And then he goes on to explain some things that they can eat and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to jump down to verse 31. And God saw all that he made and it was what? Very good. You know why? Because God's love. And when God creates, it's what? Good or very good. The man and woman are made in whose image? God. God is communal. And within himself, he expresses perfect love. He creates you and I to be in community, to experience that same kind of love. He creates the institution of marriage. Why? Because you and I are created in the image of God. And in a marriage, we can experience that kind of love given to one another. Because God is love. He creates the, the very institution that we can thrive in. And then he also creates this thing called church, this body of believers that we gather together so that we can experience the same kind of love that he has expressed towards us. God is love. 
therefore he is good. We're made in the image of God. We're invited into this community with him to experience his love and to experience his goodness. He so loves us, you know, that uh, when sin separated us from him, he, he sent a savior, Jesus. But I'll get into that in a few moments. Um, I don't know if you understand the Bible real well. I hope you do. I hope you're reading it. I remember when I was born again at 13, the very first thing I began to do was read my Bible. And even at age 13, I read through the Bible right away just to know what in the world's going on here. And what, I, what you have to understand about Hebrew writing, uh, Old Testament writing, is usually they give you the big picture first and then they drill down on some key concepts. So when you read about the creation in Genesis chapter 1, it's big picture. Then you get to Genesis chapter 2, right? And the creation story drills down on the creation of Adam and Eve. This is very, very Hebrew. That's how they tell things. They say the big picture, and then they drill down onto the smaller picture but significant storyline. And so we get to Genesis chapter 2, and God is talking about humanity now. And Adam's been created, and God said, it's not good for you to be alone. You don't know this. But it's not good for you to be alone because you've been created in my image and, in, and you are created to enjoy community and to experience love with one like you. So God has Adam name all the animals. Now we read right through that. We think it's like kind of a story for kids, right? Do you know how incredibly intelligent Adam had to be to, to name all the animals? Do you know that, what kind of exercise that was for him? I mean, to me, that's an amazing demonstration of intelligence. And no suitable helper was found for Adam. Do you know what helper means in the Old Testament? It means someone to come alongside and do life together with. Do you see that God God created Adam to be in community? Adam was supposed to discover, there's no one like me. I don't have anybody to do community with here. I have a need. God was helping him have some self-awareness. And so God creates a suitable helper. That means someone to come alongside and do life together with him. And he made Eve. And when Eve's presented to Adam, he goes, wow, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. I mean, if you want to go on a date night and and get your, your date rocking on you, that's what you'd say, right? You're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, right? Some of you are going, what in the world are you talking about? You know what that means in short? Wow, she's something. She's pretty hot, God. You know, right? I'm going to say it. I got my wife. I think she's still hot. I think I look at her and go, man, you're still hot. And she goes, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. And I can say that all I want, you know? So, so now we're, we're told this purpose of, of the institution of marriage. For a man will leave his father and mother and he's going to be united to his wife and they're going to become one. Now here's what's interesting. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What are they? One. Husband and wife. What are they? One. Are you seeing how this all goes together? Because God is love and in this Trinitarian relationship he's expressing love perfect. He creates the human race and he says now I have for you plans of being one you're going to love one another in this thing called marriage and you're going to become one and then guess what church in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ same thing we have our Lord and we're the bride and we are to become what one amen and, 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 and because God is love God is good, and he's created us to have that same kind of experience as his children. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. It isn't that God shows us love every now and then. It isn't that he says, Oh, I haven't thought about you in a while. I should probably express some love to you. It's his nature 
to lavish love on his creation in an abundant manner. Jesus was approached one time in his ministry, and he was called good teacher. And he said to the the inquirer, why do you call me good? There's no one good but the Father. And what Jesus was saying here was twofold. One, if you're calling me good, then I must be God. And only a God who loves perfectly can be good. Are you getting the dynamic there? And this person came to him calling him good teacher, probably thinking, I'm going to give you a, a term of respect. And Jesus said, I'm going to teach you some basic theology here, buddy. If I'm good, I'm God. And if I'm, I'm God and good, then I'm doing it out of my perfect nature of, of love. God is love, therefore he is good. So why does this matter so much? I'm one that always asks that question. It's maybe because I have an engineering degree and I still have that. You've got to apply this somehow, right? So what does it matter that God is love? Well, it sets the tone of relationship that we're called to have with him. And when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, with all your soul. And then he added in this other one, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. What we need to understand, loved of God, because you are loved of God, is that nothing in your life is to take the place of this primary relationship with God. He loves us, and we're to turn around and love him back. On Sunday mornings, we've been doing a series from 1 Peter, and at the end of chapter 1, uh, Peter says, we're to love one another deeply. He, he says, the way that, the, that, that, that you're to interact with one another in the church is to love one another deeply. Why? Because God loves us deeply. And so we're to reflect that love one to another. We're to be cherishing one another, devoted to one another, having the best interests of one another at the heart of how we interact. So with this understanding that God is love and God is good, you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to do something a pastor should never do. I'm just going to switch gears entirely on you, and I'm going to talk personal for a while. I asked Brennan if I could do this, and even if he said not, I would still do it. But I wanted to honor him. And so what I want to do is with this understanding of God, because it's taking me, I, I, I'm talking to you from my heart today. It is taking me a long time personally to understand that I don't have to do for God, I can just be in God. Because God is love. What he wants from me is the dynamic of a loving relationship in return. And it's not about what I do, it's not how I perform, it's simply being his beloved child and enjoying fellowship with him with no agenda. So I want to talk to you for just a few moments from my heart on some big mistakes that I made over the course of my life. And uh, I, I want you to avoid those same mistakes, okay? Because I've been where you're at, and uh, I've been where you're going to, and I've been where you're going to go to in 30 years probably. And so I want to just share some of my heart with you. Perhaps the greatest education that you're receiving now, even if you're at SDSU and pursuing some degree, is not necessarily the information you're going to get in your degree program, but what you're experiencing in nights like this. Understanding who God is and how to relate to him. When I look back on my uh, past, my college days were full of intense study. I have a, a mechanical engineering degree from the Institute of Technology in the University of Minnesota. It was a very intense program uh, when I took it. And, but 
at the same time I was taking that degree, which was super consuming in terms of study, right, and getting the, 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 the work done, I, I belonged to a group of about 30 college students that we just met every Thursday night um, and, and talked about the things with Jesus. And we had a couple guys leading us who I thought were really old. They were graduate students at the time. And uh, I thought they were really old and mature. <laughs> anyway, I shouldn't laugh about that. But it, um, I also had this really, really good church that I went to, Way of the Cross. It's a very charismatic church, very demonstrative. In fact, I watch all you worship, and I'm going, come on, guys, cut her loose a little bit here. You know, let her fly. You don't have to be so stoic. Anyway, anyway take that for what it's worth. Um, but I went there. And I begin to just watch Pastor Tom because he loves Susan, his wife, so much. And I had never seen that. And he had a couple little kids that he adored. And I just used to study the boy, like, you're really like this. And he was really patient with me. Uh, I would ask him really dumb questions like, so you love your wife, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Like you talk to her all the time. You like kiss her in public. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I had never seen any of this. You, you know, it was new to me. And I began to see this kind of love of God manifested in this physical relationship between these two people. And it just spoke reams to me. That, my friends, was more profitable to me than all the college I took. And I got two degrees. Okay? It was some of the best education I received in my life because it taught me how to love my wife. It taught me who God was. And that was some of the most profitable education that I've ever received. And I just want to encourage you, don't pass up these divine moments where what you're learning is way, way more important than maybe what you're pursuing. Be present and give space in your life for God. Just open your eyes and see Jesus. See what matters in life. Take the moments that you're having like this and cherish them. They're rare. I mean, I remember going through such great things in that college time in my life and having such great experiences at Way of the Cross. And then I went off into the work world and I went to a small town and I didn't experience any of that for 20 years. I, I remember just praying, God, do something. And it wasn't until I basically got to New Hope and then back to here that I began to experience some of those same kind of moments again in my life. So listen, when you have the opportunity, be bathed in the love of God. Just soak it up. Let him lavish it on you. Be a, a, a willing receptacle of what he wants to do in your life. Be filled with the personal Holy Spirit. Listen to Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. It says this. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. I still pray this. I still have this heartbeat in me as an older man. I just want to know you, Jesus. I want to participate in your sufferings. I want to know the power of your resurrection. I want to become like you even in my death. I want to exalt you, Jesus, in the way I go from this life into the next life and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. There is nothing, friends, that compares to Jesus is what I'm trying to tell you. There is nothing that substitutes 
for him. Whenever I feel anxiety, do you ever feel anxiety? Whenever I experience depression, do you ever experience depression? I struggle with those two things. I'll readily admit them. I have anxiety issues. I have depressions. I'm very OC. I get stuck on things readily. It's a blessing and it's a curse, right? It's good if you want to solve a problem because you never give up. It's bad because there are points when you need to forget it and give up. And I begin to realize when this stuff starts bubbling to the surface in my life, I'm not at that moment captured by the love of Jesus. That's the problem. I'm captured by selfishness and wayward thoughts and concerns of this world. Here's the reality I faced as a college student. They had bubbled over into my experience as an engineer at 3M and then a supervisor and then a plant engineering manager at 3M. That then bubbled over into my pastoral experience. You know what it was? There was a pull in my life always to think, I'm really busy right now. I'll just let some things go. I'll get through this busy season. Then I'll set everything straight. I'll take some personal time. I'll have more quiet time with God. I'll work on my marriage more. And I thought that way when I was in college. And guess what? Then I got married and I had a child a week after I graduated and I started a career. Do you think my life let up? It was terribly confusing and terribly busy. And I really struggled to, to to, to keep a, a, a balance. And you know what I did personally? I said, I, I, I know that I have to spend time with my wife. I know I have to spend time with my daughter. I, I, I need to go to church. I know that was really important. You know, I was figuring all this stuff out. I got to do my job right. I got to do it as unto the Lord. So you know what I did? I gave up all personal time. I sacrificed myself because that's what I could readily sacrifice, Right? Doesn't that sound logical to you? Do any of you ever do that? So I basically had zero renewal time for me personally. And I went 100 miles an hour. I did that when I went through college. Jumped into 3M, super busy. And then I'm a young man doing these huge projects. I'll get into that in a moment. It destroyed me physically. It was the biggest mistake I made. I still struggle that. Because you know what happens when you get into pastoral ministry? There is no end to what you can do. There is no end to the needs that are presenting themselves. There are so many people lost and going to hell. You can just be consumed by the need and constantly pour yourself out. So here's some more straight talk. I'm still talking straight talk with you. This has nothing to do with the script. I'm just talking from my heart, all right? So here's what happens. It's easy to think, I'm overloaded. I don't have time for, say, a meeting like this. I don't have time to spend in prayer. I don't have time to eat right, to exercise, maybe to sleep enough. I'll just get through this season. I'll gut it out. It's the American way. And it's super destructive. And your life becomes a consuming endeavor and the career you choose, okay, so college is consuming if you're in college, right? Most of you are in college, I would assume. I don't know. It's a pretty consuming endeavor, right? Guess what? Your career will be a consuming endeavor. If you get married, it'll be a consuming endeavor. Right, guys? 
Yeah, it's not a bad thing, especially when you're young because you're just like enamored by the whole thing. Um, then you have kids. Oh my goodness, they are so demanding. I don't know why they don't sleep, you know. And uh, we even brought Elizabeth to the doctor because she wasn't sleeping. And the doctor said to Vicki, well, I can give you some, some pills for you to sleep. And Vicki said, I'm not the problem. I can sleep really well. The kid won't sleep, you know. And so you run into that. And then, then you think, okay, um, uh, then they get to be teenagers and it's a nightmare. Oh. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and so what happens is you got to understand this timing thing. Today is the day of the Lord's favor. This moment he's pouring out his spirit on you. Can you still yourself and hear it? Can you receive of this God who loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you? Will you still yourself? Will you, will you, will you, will you kind of pull yourself out of the busyness? Because, my friends, there's nothing comparable to God. There's a lot of cheap substitutes out there, but they're not comparable to God. Now I'm going to get really real with you if I haven't already. So I worked for 3M for 15 years. I want to tell you my story there because a lot of you are going to pursue a career like I did. So I worked for 3M for 15 years before going into the ministry and I begin as a project engineer. So I'm 26 years old and I'm assigned to to put this huge maker machine in in Knoxville, Iowa. And you probably don't have any concept of what this is like, but it, it was an $8 million machine that was nothing but uh, 400 feet of machinery top and level floors, two floors, okay? And it was all designed by us. It was all in-house designed by people like myself. I had myself and a couple other guys working on this for me. And we designed everything from scratch. It was just, it was supposed to make this IS-82 product. And, and I, I mean, I worked on that thing for a year and a half straight, 10 hours a day, six days a week. We have two baby girls at this point. So I'd go home at night, try to put some family time in, try to be there for my wife, try to have some kind of conversation with her a little bit and start the whole thing all over. Sunday, I would go to church and guess what? I was exhausted. So I'd try to listen to whatever was being said half the time. I didn't even hear it because my mind was fried. You know, I was just toast at that point. I was totally exhausted. I didn't do any kind of personal renewal. I just was gutting it out. I began to experience as a 26-year-old severe chest pains from anxiety. And, and I, I couldn't sleep at night. I was waking up six, seven times a night. Um, it, it was all the wrong things to do. But at the same time, as I'm having those experiences, I'm, I'm experiencing the divine hand of God in my life because as I'm working on this project, God has given me solutions and answers constantly in dreams. It was really strange. And he's showing himself to be strong on my behalf, but I was living a totally unsustainable life. And my career at 3M never got easier because then I went into supervising. And now I'm responsible for a lot of people. And their work, too. And then I got to be the plant engineering manager over here at this medical plant. So now I'm having 140 to 150 people working for me. I'm responsible for the whole plant operations and the, and the maintenance. And, the, and, you know, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I, I began to feel called in the ministry, which I had been fall called in the ministry for about, about 10 years at that point. And I began to pursue a degree at Indiana Wesleyan University. And I decided to make the switch to go from that engineering job into ministry job. And so being a conscientious person, I gave 3M a four-month notice. 
because my position was really hard to replace. It took a long time to get another person, right? So I thought, well, I'm going to be kind to them and give them this notice. Well, here's what happened. I want you to hear this now. So I put this $8 million machine in just to give you perspective. The first year that machine made 3M $70 million. Okay, are you getting this? It was basically designed by me and a couple other people. So we did all this groundwork and it was making the company $80 million. You got that perspective? So I go to, to resign. I have six weeks of vacation that's owed to me. You know why I didn't take the vacation? Because I didn't have time. Because I felt I couldn't do my job right if I took that vacation. So you know what 3M does? They say, we'll give you a check for that vacation, but you can't use that vacation to extend your employment time here. You know why they did that? To save themselves $1,000 in benefits paid to me. Now here's why I'm sharing that story. I learned at that moment that I had misplaced loyalty, that I had put my trust and my energies and my life into the wrong endeavor. I had poured myself off with these people. I'd worked myself basically sick. And then when it came time for them to show me just give me what I deserve, they said no. And I thought, the irony of this, God, I had totally misplaced my loyalty here, didn't I? For 15 years, I did this. And why I share this story with you is this, friends, listen, it's not the bad mouth 3M. Understand this. No one can ever replace your relationship with God. Nothing should ever be more important in your life than that. Don't buy into that lie. It's easy to get sucked into what I got sucked into. You're going to get praise. You're going to get told how good you're doing. You're going to get all that kind of stuff. But in the end, any man's system will never meet the need that you have to be loved unconditionally by a God who is a God of love and God who is good. That's why I share that. Be careful. Be on guard. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't work as unto the Lord. You should. But human institutions aren't where your heart should go. When you work for them and they pay you, it's even Stephen. Right? Using my own name there. They owe you nothing, you owe them nothing. Always realize that in every decision you make, you're setting patterns for the rest of your life. Today, when you're super busy in college, if you can't make time to have a relationship with God, you're setting a pattern for the next stage in life, which will be busy. And then for the next stage of life, you always are setting a pattern. And I want to just tell you, set that pattern a priority for a God who loves you so much, who's created you to be in fellowship with him, who loves you with an undying love. I wish I could say that I learned my lessons. I didn't. Because I got into ministry, and guess what? (laughs) I did the same thing. I'm just slower than a two-by-four sometimes, you know? And uh, it was about six years ago that um, I was out in the driveway shoveling snow. You probably know what happened if you're a student, maybe you're a medical student. I have three of my kids that are medical people. (laughs) That makes for interesting family dynamics. 
And I hadn't been feeling right for a long time. And I took a scoop of a shovel of snow and I felt it right here in my shoulders. I said, oh no. I know what that feeling is. There's a heart thing going on. And so I go down to the clinic and sure enough, you know, they do some testing and say, you know, we want to give you a stress test. And I failed it. I don't know if you know what that means. That means you're going to go in for some kind of surgery. And so I went in to have an angiogram, angioplastic done with, uh, with the doctor, Maurice, who's a great guy, by the way. He's really funny. And so I had a lot of good conversations with him. But um, they, they ended up putting three stents in at that time. And, and a year later, I had a carotid artery surgery on my neck. And I remember having uh, an epiphany moment. Um, I don't know what you know if, that, if you know what that means. It's having a revelation moment from God. I'm laying there, and I'm now, you know, in my 50s. And uh, the nurse is looking down at me, and she says, okay, there's three things that we talk about with patients in your condition. I said, patients in my condition? Okay, what does that mean? She said, are you eating right? I said, you know, I, I do eat pretty good. I'm almost a vegetarian, y'all, okay? And now I'm pretty much am. <laughs> I said, yeah, do you exercise? Oh, yeah, I exercise. Really pretty good. And then she said, well, here's the big question. How's the stress level of your life? I said, you mean for like the last 40 years? <laughs> and she said, yeah. I said, out of control. He said, yep, that's why you're on the table. I said, yeah, okay. She said, what are you going to change? I said, I don't know, but I'm going to change some things. And so I came back here, and I did start to change some things. And if you come on Sunday mornings, you've noticed some of those changes. I don't preach every Sunday. In fact, Aaron preaches about half time right now. People keep thinking I'm quitting, I'm getting old, and I'm retiring. No, I'm just being smart. Aaron's really good. Brennan spoke two times this year. He's really good. I said, let these guys have the podium. They can have some of the stress. Yay, go team, right? <laughs> so, you know, and it's really, really, I've let go. I Seriously. I uh, have six weeks of vacation they give me. I'm gone six weeks. I took a month sabbatical this year. So people are saying, uh, what's wrong? Nothing. I'm just living a balanced life. Living a life that's sustainable. Start at your age. Don't wait until you're on a hospital table someplace. Don't wait until your chest hurts. Trust Jesus. Love the Lord. The Lord loves you so much. Um, I was crying a little bit when Jana was singing that second song. Yeah, Way of the Cross. Um, I never thought I'd hear music like that again, by the way. Just this heartfelt um, music. I want to encourage you, when those songs come, just let your heart get, get, get struck by it. Just lose yourself in, in the music and lose yourself in God. Let, let your soul be replenished. Um, man, be renewed. Make sure you take care of yourself. Um, study hard. And then don't study hard. You follow what I'm saying by that? Do it hard, give it a break. When you're present with somebody, be present with them. When I'm with my wife now, I'm with my wife. When we go on, uh, we went on a, a two-week hike to, to, the, to the mountains. She's my only thing I'm focused on. We're just having a good time. I did watch Sunday service coming back on the truck, just because we could. And Aaron did a great job. And so just have balance Understand your setting patterns. Love God. Don't let any institution replace him because God is love. He is good. There's no one like him. He's incomparable to anything else in your life. 
and make sure that you always keep that a priority and make sure you take time for self-renewal. I'm going to quit because you need to be done, right? So I can watch the clock. Um, I'm going to just, just pray really briefly for you all. Is that all right if I pray over you? Because you're not going to say no to that, are you? Let me pray over you. Lord God, I want to pray for this group of young people here. Um, I can't begin to even understand how much you love each one of them. I have an inkling of what that love is like. I have a taste of it personally. But I I just pray that every single student here, every single young person in a career um, here tonight, God, that they would understand your unconditional, self-sacrificing, others-oriented, best interests at the heart of what you do, love for them. And that they, they, would, they would just be bathed in that love tonight. And I pray they'd be so affected by that, Lord, that they would be unwilling for anything to, in their life ever to replace it. I just pray, God, that you would do a, 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 a great movement among this group of people. Make them vibrant in their faith, Lord. Make them alive in you. Grace them to be power-filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. May they walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. But more than that, may they know that you're a God who loves and you're a God who's good. And just may they hold on to that tightly no matter what comes their direction. And may they never replace that with anything that would be a a cheaper version of it, so to speak. Uh, Just bless this ministry of Oasis. Bless Brennan and Jaina as they lead it. Um, Lord, I pray that all the leadership here would be filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. That this would be a ministry, Lord, that, that maybe is the most educational, significant kind of experience that any of these students will have during their four years or, or, or more years, whatever it is here at SDSU. God, we love you back. That's what you want us to do. Just love you back. In the name of Jesus and by his blood, I pray these things. Amen.